So the scripture I'd like to share with you this morning is from Psalm uh, 139. Just going to read a little bit of this psalm. Uh, Psalm 139, verses 1 through 7. Hear the word of the Lord. O Lord, You have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down. And You are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, You know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. And You lay Your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from Your Spirit? Or where can I flee from Your presence? This is the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Is this comforting to you to hear this text? I mean, just honestly, is it comforting? I'm guessing so, right? I mean, just to read this, I think we could just read it and sit with it and reflect upon it and say there's something about it that's really comforting to us. And I wonder, what is it? What is it that you like about it? What is it that breaks through everything that's happening in your life and touches your soul? I'm assuming that that's what it does. It touches your soul. What is it? Well, uh, I don't know about you, but I like this line. It says, You have searched me, Lord, and known me. You know me, God. You know me even better than I know myself. See, we all, humans, we all long to be seen and known. Each of us wants to be seen and known for who we really are, for who we truly are. Warts and all, the worst parts about ourselves, we long to be truly seen and known. And when we experience this, when we feel like we're seen and known for who we really are, we feel connected to other people. And we feel connected to God in the the same way. Hear this from Brené Brown. She's an author that many people know these days. She's very popular. I like what she has to say about connection. She says, connection is the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued. Connection is the energy that exists between people when they feel seen, heard, and valued. When they can give and receive receive without judgment. And when they derive sustenance and strength from the relationship. So when we feel seen, known, and connected, there's also an energy to it that We feel between us. We all know this. That's why we like to be around people who we feel like know us and can see us for who we are. The opposite of this experience is not being seen and known, right? And that that has kind of an energy to it as well. It's draining. Loneliness and disconnection is one of the greatest challenges in our world today. Ironically, though we're more connected than ever. But it's very painful to feel lonely to feel disconnected, to feel overlooked or forgotten. That's one of the most painful experiences in, human, uh, in our human lives. 
All kinds of difficulty come from that experience of feeling alone, like there's nobody with us, that nobody knows us for who we really are. That's why when we read this text and hear this good news that God knows us completely and is with us always, it it really is, in fact, good news. So friends, why don't we, (laughs) if this is true, why don't we just make sure that we are seen and known as often as possible? If this is what really connects with our hearts and helps us to connect with one another and to feel this energy in life that everything's going to be okay, why don't we do it more often? Why don't we just step into those experiences and say, here I am, world. This is everything that's going on with me. Well, one word, vulnerability. In order for us to feel seen and known and to feel connected with other people and feel like we can trust them and be trusted by them, we have to be vulnerable. We have to open ourselves up. And that takes real courage. I oftentimes value being vulnerable. You know that about me, I hope by now. (laughs) I'm vulnerable most weeks, but not just here in this space, but also in small groups that I'm a part of and in relationships that are important to me. And I'll tell you one thing about vulnerability. You ready for the the truth about vulnerability? It feels gross. (laughs) It never feels good. Never, even if I feel like, wow, that was a really awesome, I felt like I really delivered that sermon really well and I was vulnerable and, you know, that helps people to connect. I can know that that helps you to connect with me, but it never, ever feels good. It always feels terrifying. I don't know why I feel that way, but I know that it's a common thing that vulnerability feels super hard. And it takes courage. And we always want other people to go first. We want vulnerability in relationships because without it, we don't feel seen and known. We don't feel connected. We don't feel heard. But we never want to go first. We always want someone to go for us. So we like the idea, this is just a theory, We like the idea of God knowing us because if it's just God who knows us, it keeps us safe. We don't actually have to be in those kinds of vulnerable relationships with other people in our lives and and bear our souls, so to speak, because, well, God knows me and that's what matters. Yes, it's true. And God does know you, but the truth is we were created for these kinds of meaningful relationships where we are seen and known. That's how we were created. So why church? That was the question I introduced last week of saying, why church? And in today's world, why do we even need church? Can't we just always... Thank you for watching online, online people. I'm so glad that you're watching. <laughs> but can't we just watch always, always watch online? Do we ever even need to come to the church and, and be in relationship with other people? Well, there's some good questions that we really should sort through if we want to be intentional about our spiritual life, about our walk with God. So last week we talked about worship and how important worship is. Today, we're talking about these kinds of relationships where we are seen and known. So we need church to be seen and known and accepted. We find a place here, at least we, we want to create a place here where we can belong where we can bring others into the experience that we are blessed with. The church is a biblical church. The church is a biblical church when we are seen here, when we are known here, 
And when we are reminded that we are made in the image of God, when we're reminded that we are loved by God, that we are forgiven by God, those are the things that must be happening within a church for it to be a church. That's a biblical church. So the biblical, there's a, actually a biblical term for this that we call fellowship. Now, most people associate fellowship, I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but most people associate fellowship with hanging out. Let's have a barbecue. Do some fellowship. You know, let's have a, some coffee after the service or before the service and call it fellowship. Like, there's great value in those experiences, but that's not actually what the word fellowship means, which we read it in the Lectio Divina text. It's very prevalent, especially in the New Testament. Fellowship actually means brotherly unity. Fellowship means the most intimate relationship between humans. That's what fellowship means. The most intimate relationship between humans with a common bond. So we can have brotherly and and brother-sister type unity because our common bond is Christ. And so we gather in Christ's name to to know one another and be known, to know and be known, and to see one another for who we really are, and to remind ourselves that we are God's people. We're made in the image of Christ. We're forgiven by God. We're loved by God. And the whole goal of this existence is to continually be made in Christ-likeness, to to progress in Christ-likeness, and to share uh, God's love and grace with the world. I don't know about you, but the the people that I'm closest to know me very, Know me very well. All the stuff that, that I don't ever want to even admit about myself and, and frankly that I, that I hate about myself. That stuff, when I can find a space to share it with other people, which I praise the Lord I have in my life, when people know that stuff about me, that's when I feel seen and known. Like I know a lot of people in this community I know a lot of you within this church. But there are only a small amount of people that I feel know me. And those are the ones who see the stuff that comes up in me that I I really don't like about myself. The times when I'm angry and I don't know what to do or when I feel like I'm not worth anything. Like, does this even matter that I'm doing this? And I share that stuff out loud. And then when people... Uh, hear what I have to say and they see me and they hear me and, and they don't get up and leave or they don't get a scowl on their face or they don't say, don't, don't say that. You shouldn't say that. You shouldn't think that. They just say, I'm sorry. Sorry that that's what's going on in your life right now. I'm here for you. I'm not leaving you. Those are the kinds of relationships that have made all the difference in my life. I've, and so then I feel most connected to most seen and known by people that I am super honest and vulnerable with when they don't reject me. And this is the key. That every time I feel that way, I feel that way with um, when I preach and I'm really vulnerable with you. And then I come back the next week and I, honest, I honestly think every week, well, there will be at least four or five people that never come back <laughs> after I share and then you do come back or you say to me afterwards, hey, that was really helpful when you were vulnerable in that way. There's a trust that's built there. 
And we feel connected in a way that wouldn't have been possible without, unfortunately, without me being vulnerable. Now, the task is not just for me to do that always. For me to only be the one that's ever vulnerable from the pulpit or within groups or within our gatherings that, well, if Pastor Chad could just come around, we could start to have some real connection because he would help us to be vulnerable. When we're vulnerable in that way, and we allow ourselves to be seen and known, we actually feel closer to one another and we build trust. But friends, we have to work at these kinds of relationships. You think about the people in your life that you're closest to. You've had to work at those relationships. They take time and frequency of gathering, and they take honesty within those spaces. We have to work at those types of relationships, especially in the church, if we're going to uh, be vulnerable with one another. And so that's what I love about what Andy Crouch presents in two of his books. This is a, oh, I got a fancy thing here. Laser pointer. Pretty fancy, right? So an author named Andy Crouch wrote these two books called um, Culture Making and the Life That We're Looking For. And in a podcast, I heard him talk about this fascinating idea. He said that all trust is built in circles of 3, 12, and 1. Because he was talking about sort of the overwhelm that a lot of leaders and especially church pastors and church leaders have, but really everyone is having because more and more people feel less and less connected or they don't know who to trust or the only ones that they trust is, them, is themselves and their most immediate family or maybe their closest friends like their pals from college or whatever. Uh, but there's a real crisis of trust that's happening and so it's kind of a downer conversation. And they say, well, well what do you do? Where do you start? And Andy Crouch says, well, you need to uh, not neglect the people that you can build trust with in circles of, of 3 and 12. And he says that all trust is established in these kinds of circles. So the 3 is the most kind of uh, personal and intimate kind of relationships that we have in our lives. Like those are the people that I was describing. I've, I've had those kinds of relationships within small group where we're really honest about what's happening, about the good things in our life, the, the highest joys and the lowest lows. And the 12 are kind of are like, um, they're kind of just like acquaintances, I would say, or, or closer relationship, but we're not really being completely honest in that way with one another. And the, the 120 is, is sort of like the people within our community. Or if we put it in terms of the, the church, I shouldn't have gone off my notes here. <laughs> if we put it in terms of our church, like the three is, is really small groups. Like we have our Tuesday morning uh, men's group. The 12 is kind of like when we do a, a small group together. Like right now we're doing financial peace. Uh, maybe our ad council could be considered the 12, our administrative council committees. And the 120 is like when we're all gathered together in our congregation. Here's a challenge that I'll be really honest with you about is it's easier if I walk up here. The three is what most of us don't want to do, but we all need. Right? We all want to be seen and known, and we have to be vulnerable. We share things that we don't want everybody to, to, to know about ourselves. Some of us have these 12, but a lot of us hang out in the 120. We just come to worship and say, well, this is our church or whatever, but we don't really know anybody all that deeply. This is where it gets really tricky. Everybody wants 
the pastor to be within the three. <laughs> Everybody says, well, I want my pastor to know me. I want to be able to share the vulnerable things about my life with my pastor. I want to be able to experience forgiveness and unconditional love from my pastor. But do you see where that becomes difficult? Because this is not just true for, um, for what I think or whatever. This is just how, how relationships work, is that none of us can actually have more than three to five of those really deep, meaningful relationships. So that also means that nobody except for Jesus can attend to all those people all at once. So the idea is that we would be really clear, crystal clear about who those people are in our lives. And if we have gaps, to say who can we invite into that space. And if we're all doing that, then maybe some of these circles can start to overlap. And everyone within our congregation uh, starts to feel more connected than they have in the past. So it was interesting that... um, I presented this idea to somebody from our congregation and they said, and I just said, you know, the three is the, the most vulnerable space and the 12 is the kind of just more like we learn together and we grow together but we don't really know each other. And they said, it's easy for me to do the 12. I can come up with a list of 12 pretty quickly but it's pretty hard to uh, come up with the three. It's hard to, to come up with three people or two, uh, two other people or three other people that I feel within our congregation really know me. They see me. They hear me. I know that they love me. I know that no matter what I'm going through in life, they're not going to walk out on me. It's really hard for me to experience that. I mean, that, we should sit up and pay attention if somebody from our congregation says that because I'm guessing that that's the case for most of us. And this is, the, this is the place where we feel known, that we really understand who we are. Where we can go from just knowing that God loves us and forgives us and all of that, and, and we can actually experience it. So I like this chart, and I actually left, I left examples of this chart, or copies of this, out on the table in the narthex, because I would encourage you to fill this out. There's actually lines in here. The three the 12. And there's not lines for the 120. That'd be pretty hard. But you can, kind of, you can kind of get the idea. And be really honest about where am I at with this. I'm guessing that some of you, hopefully, some of you have this kind, these kinds of relationships in your family. Or maybe with your pals from college or something like that. Or maybe from... You, have, you used to have those kinds of close relationships from, with people within this church and you're still around each other, but you've drifted more into the 120. Like, I know who they are, but we're not actually opening our lives to one another in this kind of meaningful way. So the idea is for a church that we would be able to, in time, say, oh yeah, the three? Yeah, that's Kyle. And that's Doug. And that's Todd, because we gather every week, Tuesday mornings, and we read the Bible together, and we pray together, and we share stuff sometimes that we're kind of afraid to share. But if we don't share it, if we don't share it, then are we ever feeling seen and known? Are we ever really feeling connected to one another? 
So maybe a starting place is to say, do I have these people in my life at all? And if not, then how can I, how can I move towards that? Who can I invite into my life? Who can I try to be intentional with to, to build relationship with them? To be seen and known. To feel connected. And if you can say, if you can say, yes, I have all these people in my life, but not in the church, then there's a challenge there of how can we implement this within the church. Because if we don't move forward with progression in this as a church, well, we go back to the default of saying, well, we want, you know, we want one person to be in everybody's three. And I've been really honest with you and will continue to be in a positive way. If that's the kind of thing that leads pastors to burnout, it's because we're not Jesus. None of us, no pastors are Jesus that can be that kind of person who knows everyone and can be present to everyone and can pray for everyone, hold everybody in their hearts all the time. It's just not possible. So if we're not willing to move forward with this and be vulnerable ourselves, then what are we really hoping will happen in church? I, I don't know. I'm asking you that question. I'm not presuming anything. I'm asking you. And if you have that, I know some people have this kind of, you know, could fill this chart out within our church or within your, your family life. Say, then, then what, are, what kind of space are you creating for others? Because a church, a biblical church, is a space where, where we're experiencing these circles of trust for ourselves, but then we're also bringing others into it. We're, we're, bring, we're making a space so that when somebody new comes to our church, which we've had, maybe somebody that I meet out in the community, and all of a sudden they're here, and they say, well, we like this guy, we met him in the community, and it seems like a welcoming congregation, but if they don't find a space to be seen and known, to feel connected, to feel like they're building trust relationships, then they would ask the question, you guessed it, why church? Does it really matter if I'm here? Does anybody really even notice if I'm gone? And I felt the pressure for, well, the whole time that I've been a pastor, and especially when COVID happened, of being the only one that's going to notice if anybody else is gone. And that's just too much pressure for any one person to bear. So instead, if, if these three are in meaningful relationship together, and these three are in meaningful relationship together, and one of you is gone... That happens right away. Hey, how are you doing today? I noticed you weren't at church. You know, or, or these three back here, maybe it's 12 back here, and one of you notices that several of the others was gone. You just say, hey, just wondering how can I pray for you today? And it doesn't have to be the experience of like judgment. That's, you know, a lot of people don't like when you say, missed you at church. <laughs> because there's been a history of people feeling like they're just judged when they come to church. But that's partially because we're not in meaningful relationship where we feel connected. And so then it's, it's not authentic to say, why weren't you at church? It comes off more as like, you know, to be a good Christian is to come to church. And you didn't do that today, Lisa. You should work on that. I'm not being serious. <laughs> Three. 12 and 120. This is, this is key. This is also very biblical. I'm not just making it up. I'm not just bringing it from some book. Right? Jesus had three disciples who He was really close with. Who He took up onto the mountain where He, uh, the, the whole experience of transfiguration. He had three disciples that He was really close with. Obviously, He had the 12 
that, that learned from him and they were close with one another. And on the day of Pentecost, God changed the world with 120 people. And Andy Crouch goes through talking about how all, all meaningful things that have happened in, in the history of the world and especially in the history of the church have happened and progressed in these types of circles. But I want to point out to you this really exciting truth that actually Methodism was established with similar circles. John Wesley must have known this kind of in, intuitively and he established these three different things uh, or, or two different things rather called bands which are really close relationships uh, where people are intentionally growing in faith. Classes, and then just the, the church or the, the community. Classes were around 12 people and they would grow together and learn together. So when America or when Methodism was progressing across the American frontier on horseback, everyone look at the stained glass window, see the origins of our denomination of Methodism. So that was probably, that's probably a picture of Francis Asbury who would ride around literally on horseback, would preach to the 120, to the 120 who were gathered in a community. This is how our church was established as well. And then as a requirement, anyone who wanted to be Methodist would have to join a class. It was a requirement. And that's, that's where they would learn about the faith and salvation and what it meant to be Methodist and the different things that John Wesley would teach. And then if they wanted to go deeper, they would join a band. And this is a card that I have uh, for a band. And this is uh, what it says the explanation is. A discipleship band is a group of three to five people who read together, pray together, and meet together to become the love of God for, the, for one another and the world. And so we ask each other questions. I'm actually in a group like this with some other church leaders. I ask the question, how is it with your soul? What are your struggles and successes in life right now? How might the Spirit, how might the Holy Spirit and the Scriptures be speaking in your life? And then it says, when you're ready to go deeper, you ask these questions. Do you have any sin that you want to confess? Are there any secrets or hidden things you would like to share? Whoa, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> That's pretty radical, right? That's pretty radical. I've been in these groups and lots of relationships, lots of small groups where you know, we, we go pretty vulnerable because that's how I show up to those groups. And a lot of times, if I, if I bring it in a vulnerable way, then other people feel permission to do the same. But even within groups of pastors, I've confessed and nobody else is confessing. <laughs> nobody wants to confess. Nobody does. But what I noticed, I confessed something that was super hard and embarrassing to confess. A posture within me. Don't worry, it's not, not a big deal. But I confessed a posture within me because I, I started to realize there's this darkness in me that I want to bring out to the light. And if I don't tell it to somebody, then the enemy is just going to tell me that I'm worthless, that I'm a fraud, that I'm a bad person, that I'm cruel or whatever. And guess what? I, sh I shared it with, with several different groups that week. I just said, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go all in. And not one person got up and left. Not one person said, you shouldn't be thinking those things, or how dare you? One person said, 
oh, so when they say those things, you feel shame. Ooh, <laughs> ouch. But you know, that helped to shine light into that darkness within my heart. And now in all those places where I shared those things, where I confessed, I feel seen and known in a way that I never did before. Friends, this is, this is what church is. People who are seen and known. A church with trusting relationships, being formed in Christ-likeness. This is a resilient powerful church that can endure anything it can endure anything we've seen that throughout the history of the church this kind of church can endure the american frontier it did we're here this kind of church can uh, endure the persecution that happened after christ which happened in a very real way for over 200 years but the church the church endured This kind of church can endure persecution that's happening in the world right now in China, in Iran with Christians. In this kind of church, this kind of church with meaningful, trusting relationships where everyone is connected to one another and to Jesus, this kind of church can endure a post-COVID, post-Christian world. Guaranteed. Because this kind of church is harnessing the power of the Holy Spirit from God, And with one another. And it doesn't matter if the government closes our church building for a month or two months or half a year because we say, well, I'm just going to call my friend. I'm just going to meet with that person no matter what anybody says. I don't need anybody else to tell me to check in on Christian because I love Christian. We're close. We're in a meaningful kind of relationship with one another. And this is the pain of, of co- what COVID brought to, to my heart and, and to my vision is I cannot do that for you. That's the only thing that will make a resilient church and I cannot do that for you. I cannot be vulnerable for you. I wish I could. I really wish I could. But I can try to be an example for you and encourage you when you do. This is church. Why church? Because this is the space where we can be seen known and connected with others in our pursuit of God. God knows you completely. It's true. God knows you completely and loves you unconditionally. Yes. And He invites us to have the courage to have this kind of church where we experience being seen and known and accepted in person. So my hope for us, friends, my prayer is that Christ would bless us with courage to be vulnerable, to be seen and known, And to create that kind of space that we can welcome others into. Amen.